Circle Security SOS. So Vincent, welcome to the UK. You just arrived yesterday from elsewhere in the European Union. Tell us what this whole idea of GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation, means. What does it mean when we talk about, in, in European terms, about a regulation compared to a law? Where does it apply and what do we have to do about it? Hi, Paul, and thank you very much. Um, so there's actually three questions in one. Yeah, so sorry about that. <laughs> well, we know you, Paul. So uh, let's start with, with our, what is a regulation? Basically, there are different systems in uh, Europe to create rules, generally speaking, rules. Uh, some parts of it are called regulations, which can be translated as laws, uh, and other are just uh, sort of rules that are set out by the European Union and everybody has to follow them like that. So it also means that in some cases, such as for the GDPR, parts at least of that regulation need to be translated into local law, which is the reason why after it became a regulation, which was in April 2016, it could take up to two years uh, before all countries, not only within the European Union, but also uh, outside in the European economical area, uh, had to translate those regulations into their local laws. But this isn't just the EU, is it? Uh, you read a lot of stuff saying this is a European Union directive slash regulation. It applies in countries that are not part of the EU. Correct. So it, obviously, as a member of the EU, you have to implement it. But there are some other countries like Norway and Switzerland that will voluntarily implement all regulations that come out of the European Union. Uh, which is the European economical area. And the, the idea behind that is that if you want to trade with, within the European Union, which obviously for a country like Norway is really, really important, uh, it is also important to you know, follow all the guidelines which are important for the European countries uh, within their trade. So it isn't but normal that those countries will adapt the same rule. The difference is that while uh, being an EU member, you have a say in, in, in that regulation, as, as a country, whereas in Norway, for example, they just apply whatever comes out of that without without uh, having a say in that process. Now, my understanding is that the UK essentially already has a law that means that whether the UK is a member of the EU or not, GDPR almost identically will apply. Exactly. GDPR will not go away if and when Britain leaves the European Union. And that's actually an interesting point in the sense that, that also, if, if Britain indeed uh, leaves the European Union, uh, a difference with countries such as the US, for example. Because in, in the US, obviously, the European regulations don't work. However, if as a US company based in the US, you do trade, you do commerce with uh, people that are in the European Union or the European uh, economical area, then those data need to be protected the same way by GDPR because Europe has the possibility, the power negotiated with those countries as well, to go and, and sue a country that would lose a lot of data, a lot of personal identifiable information of those European citizens. Now, that is only the case if you, as a US company, as a Japanese company, would deal with European customers, whereas in the UK, the UK government has chosen to implement GDPR, which means that also if you would not trade with any outside country, you would still need to adhere to the GDPR as a UK company. That was going to be our next question. Now, obviously, if Britain leaves the European Union, let's assume that does all go through. 
then GDPR will apply just as it does now while Britain is in the European Union. So what about people, say, in the United States, in Australia, in Southeast Asia? For them, they don't have to comply, Correct. but it may be a good idea to go through the exercise on the grounds that, A, you're probably going to want to trade with any of the 500 million people in Europe, and B, that if Europe has set the right standard, other countries all around the world are likely to follow anyway, might as well bite the bullet now. Well, I like how you, at the same time, ask a question and answer it. So that's a yes. <laughs> that's that's a yes. That's absolutely a yes. Because, um, as you say, it's it's a standard that not only has to be followed within Europe, but also outside uh, of Europe. If you're an Australian company, Japanese, uh, American company that does trade with, with European data, you will have to adhere to that. You will have to follow GDPR rules. So why not make that... Uh, if uh, one country at, uh, years and years ago started to make the, the fact that you wear a seatbelt in a car obligatory. So we all like the analogy with the seatbelt because it's a security issue. Now, it's not, not because only in Sweden you have to wear it. That it's a bad idea to do that whenever you're driving around in, in the UK or, or, or anywhere else. It is a good standard. And that's what GDPR, after all, is about. It is data hygiene. It's a very good standard for data protection and privacy all along. So if you follow, as a non-European company, if you follow the GDPR guidelines, then you're on a good way to have a good uh, hygiene. And just imagine the difference between GDPR and your local laws, perhaps, could be the fact that you're fined 100,000 euro or 4 million euro when you are talking about the GDPR. So you're going to be fined regardless. And in the end, it's the fact that you don't have a data breach, which is important, and therefore right. it should be uh, treated equally everywhere. And it's a good, it's it's a higher standard. The higher the standard, the less errors you can make. So what's what we've heard some people saying in the U.S. is, oh, you've set the bar far, far too high. Is there any sense that oh, it's gone much too far, that it's much too complicated, or is it really about changing the balance to stop companies just blindly collecting data? hoping they might use it, never using it, and then losing it. First of all, even though, even if the laws in the US were more strict in some states, it's perception that counts uh, a lot of times. So the perception of the uh, average European person of the American laws would be that they are really, really uh, lax because we have the impression that Facebook and Google can or could do whatever they wanted with our data. So that's, that's the first thing, that's the impression uh, problem. Now, as for the high standard of GDPR, if you only focus on the rules, uh, you can't lose your data, you need to protect it, you need consent, uh, you're going to be fined 4 million euro, whatever it is, then it sounds like a very strict regulation. However, part and fundamental of the GDPR is the fact that it's, uh, you, you know, you have to do uh, best practice. It's all about best practices. If you right. can, sh if you have a data breach, for example, and you can show, look, we took some measures. Uh, we encrypted our desktops or, 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 or laptops. Uh, we did some physical security stuff. We trained our personnel not to uh, send emails with confidential data. And you still have a breach, then chances, then it's very likely that an auditor will come over and say, okay, look, you did some great things. So we know that you took this seriously. So we're not going to fine you the 4 million euro. Uh, you may have uh, just a, a warning period in which you need to 
apply some extra security measures, be able to show us that, and that's it. So do you think a lot of critics of GDPR have focused too much on the fines, going, oh, this is just a way for, for European governments and public services to steam in and make loads of money by issuing these giant fines, mm. whereas, in fact, maybe the truth is that they just want a little bit of a stick to go with the carrot to get people to do the right thing in the first place. But the advantage of that stick is that without it, the CFO, the CEO might not even have cared about GDPR at all. Even if your local security people say, hey, there's this regulation coming on, we need to be more strict about uh, about uh, privacy and all, uh, can I get a budget for it? But the, the usual answer will be, well, I can't see an immediate advantage. So yeah. if you can say, hey, but you do risk a four million fine, then perhaps that would be different. So do you think that we will, that over the next five to 10 years, that we will get a better balance between what gets collected and what gets lost between our privacy and you know the ability of companies to know too much about us? Well, there's always going to be a lot of um, data about us, which is going to be valuable, going to be sold without us knowing it. GDPR only helps uh, in making that portion smaller. Uh, there's yeah. never a perfect solution. And as long as the rest of the world doesn't uh, uh, apply the same kind of regulation, there's always going to be differences. Now, citizen isn't what makes GDPR work, is it? It's if you're in the European Union. So when you, you could be an American citizen if you're living in the Netherlands, mm -hmm. Sweden, the United Kingdom. Then while you're there, your stuff that's collected is protected by GDPR. So technically, it is about data subjects, meaning natural people, that are uh, physically present in the EEA. Which means basically also a Japanese tourist that um, makes a stop uh, in, in Frankfurt to continue traveling to another destination. And in, while in Frankfurt airport uh, connects to the Wi-Fi, that person is equally protected by GDPR. Now, the interesting part is the other way around. If I, as a tourist, go to the US and I give my data in the hotel, then I'm, at that point in time, I am obviously not in the EU. However, chances are really high that I will be in a later phase, a month later, a week later, whatever. So that means that then again, that data is subject to the GDPR, which means that you cannot guarantee at all if the data you hold will never be subject to the GDPR, which is why people suspect that GDPR is going to become a de facto global standard. Do you see that? Do you think GDPR will have a long-term effect of making things better? Well, it depends on how you look at it. Obviously, if uh, it means that our personal data is not going to fall in the wrong hands, then we have, so, we have more of a guarantee for that. On the other hand, technology evolves in the way that uh, it's going to, for example, if you have an advertisement in the streets, uh, it will try and connect to your phone by Bluetooth uh, to, to get some information on your uh, profile and use that for a specific targeted uh, advertising. So minority reports. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it, the answer is yes and no. That data will be protected. On the other hand, it will be much more used than it has been before. Do you think that will be better if companies use data about us aggressively with our consent, mm -hmm. for example, to give us deals that are relevant and timely and that we're interested in and could save us money? 
but yet we've got the confidence that that's all they're using the data for and they're not collecting a million other things about us at the same time just in case is that better or worse again it depends on how you look at it the disadvantage will be and we already noticed this people click yes easily now when um, you get, you're asked, uh, is it okay we use your data under GDPR? Because we all know that it's going to be protected well. On the other hand, we don't read anymore what's in there. So we just say, yeah, do whatever you want because we know it's at least confined with, within GDPR. So th there are some people who criticize GDPR or indeed any involvement of the government in regulating internet activity too strictly. Firstly, sometimes people see that as censorship, and at other times they say, you know what, all you're doing is you're making something that was really great and really inventive and really go ahead. You're making it all bureaucratic and complicated. Do you think that GDPR will actually get in the way of innovation? Well, I think there's a, there's a good quote uh, to use that, which is um, innovation is born out of limitation, which means that if you actually have some constraints, you need to look for other other ways of doing certain stuff. And out of that, uh, new technology, new methods can be born. There is that sense, as you said earlier, well, the CFO will go, oh, well, how do I reduce the amount I spend? Just make this at a minimum. It's a cost. Minimize it. And they never take the step of turning cybersecurity into a value for their business where customers will go, you know what, I'll choose this company over that one because these guys collect less and they do smarter things with it. Well, GDPR has something specific about that in the sense that, uh, you know, you have the, the fact that if you collect data and you have somebody else that processes data means so the data collector and data processor in GDPR terms. For example, if Sophos collects data about uh, people visiting the website, we are responsible for that data, but we may very well ask a third party to do the actual collection and, and, and statistics on that. Now, GDPR states that if we do that, if we ask another party to do that, the, the, the data processor, then they need to uh, adhere and follow all the GDPR rules. And we are still responsible for that because we, we ask to collect that data. That means that in a competitive society, GDPR is an advantage because if you don't follow the, G the GDPR rules, then you're out of luck. You can't be chosen as a data processor for those companies. That's a good point. It, so it sort of means that what will happen is that instead of causing a race for the bottom where everyone's trying to shave costs and mm. offshore things to countries where oh, well, the regulations don't apply, it's almost as though we're entering an era with privacy and data collection where it might be the opposite. Yeah. You're tending to be pulled up because if, if we set our standard this high and we think that GDPR is there and we're compliant and we want to bring a third party on board, then they have to be at least at our level. Yeah, and they would have more choice of, of, of customers because the better you are in any subject that you want to sell, uh, the better for your business, obviously. So if uh, now with GDPR, I would say at least uh, B2B, the um, security becomes an asset. So we've got this regulatory layer that seems to be pulling upwards. Yeah. And the idea is that whoever's at the top will tend to pull everyone else up with them. That, and the fact, of course, that as a data subject or, or somebody uh, resident in the EU, you have the right to query any company about your data, what they're doing with it, if they're still keeping it, uh, which means that there certainly are going to be organizations that will you know, come up for the, the civil rights, the civil digital privacy rights and, and do that just for you, uh, which means that it's, it's a win-win for the um, 
European citizen. One legitimate concern that some companies did have uh, about GDPR, European companies and US companies that wish to comply, is that this right to know what a company holds about you, in the past, companies could make modest charges, couldn't they? They could say, okay, that'll be $5 or 10 euros, and you could charge for access to the marketing database, and you could charge for access to the financial database. Now you have to give everybody everything within some reason free of charge. Do you think that is an unreasonable burden? Or do you think that it's quite right that a company that's collecting data should be in a position to prove that it knows where the data is? I think the answer, um, if you would ask somebody from uh, the EU, uh, from the European Commission or whoever made that uh, GDPR, they would say, well, that company makes money because of the data it holds from that uh, person. Therefore, it is not fair that the person should pay for uh, knowing what the company knows about him. I can follow that reasoning. Yeah, I guess you're right. It's a, if you are collecting a huge amount of data and it really is complicated for you to go and find out how much you hold about someone, then that's not a very good sign that, uh, for the company's ability to track what's happening to the data. It's, it's basic data hygiene. And it's the same. You, I'm sure you experienced that as well. Uh, how many emails haven't you gotten asking your consent from companies that to keep the data they have and, and tell you, okay, we have this and this on you. Are you okay with us uh, keeping that data? Because remember, consent is part of GDPR. Now, yeah. if you have given your consent, not only you know what they have on you, at least for the five minutes after sending that mail, but at least for those companies involved, they have made the exercise of going through all your data, hopefully, all your data and and tell you look this is what we have so they already sanitized their system the data they have on you vince we're almost up against the end of our time so i want to leave you with one thought from at least some of the companies that were doing that the last minute drive for consent it does seem that there are some people who've got the idea that now the 25th of may 2018 the regulation can now be enforced we're there we've arrived we can take off our seatbelts, we can turn off the motor, we can park the car, and we can go and have some nice Belgian beers. It's not like that, is it? GDPR, where we've got, is the start of a brave new world. It's not the end of an era that we decided we wanted to move away from. Well, yeah, also because there's also Belgian chocolate, but... but... (laughs) And chocolate beer. (laughs) Who knows? But... um... Yeah, absolutely. It is the start of a new journey where anybody who wants to collect data that he didn't have before needs to do the exercise where hopefully citizens will know their rights and will exercise them as well and not just be like, I know Facebook is collecting all my data. I don't care. No, we should care about our own privacy and and at least try to understand why companies want to have our data. And that's one of the nice things, I think, in, in GDPR. You have to explain why I, you, you want my data. It is because I want to send you targeted uh, advertisements. Okay, fair enough. It's because I want to send you a newsletter every month with all the new products that we in Sophos have. Okay, good. Uh, I don't mind that. It's not because I want to keep your data somewhere on the shelf and then spam you w- with things that you didn't sign up for. So it is something that we will uh, be, be thankful for, I hope, I think the awareness is important, both for companies dealing with the data as for the citizens whose data is being dealt with. 
My understanding is that in most countries, it certainly seems to be the case in the UK, that the regulator isn't after zillions of dollars. Correct. The regulator is actually after people collecting data with purpose and looking after it properly and not having Equifaxes, not having target-sized breaches, not having Yahoo-scale breaches in the future, plain and simple. Also, you don't have to, to invest in the latest, most expensive technology if you are a small company. It's all about best effort. And that is what those, co those auditors will uh, be looking at whether or not you tried and tried in a reasonable way before you're going to get fined.